The By the Hood podcast is brought to you by Discover Your Options. Getting started with trading options may seem intimidating, but with the Discover Your Options bootcamp, you'll be up to speed faster than you could have ever imagined. No matter what your ultimate goal is, learn the basic skills and gain all the confidence needed to ultimately win in the exciting world of options. Go to By the Hood University and click on the link for Discover Your Options to receive the code for 60% off the bootcamp. That's right, 60% off. Remember, go to Buy the Hood University, look at Discover Your Options, and get 60% off. What's up, people? Welcome to this episode of the Buy the Hood podcast or webcast because we don't know how you're consuming this content. I'm your host as always. My name is Jimmy, and we start every show off the same way with gratitude. Just want to say thank you to all of our supporters, for anyone who shared our content, bought our merch, bought our online courses at bythehooduniversity.com. We appreciate all of the support. I have my co-host with me as always, my brother Corey. Corey, how are you, sir? Living the life, man. I'm living the dream. Every breath I take is a, is a breath, you know, is a breath of fresh air. Absolutely, man. You know, we blessed and highly favored here. But listen, um, our platform, as always, is used to talk about brothers and sisters that look just like us, that are doing amazing work in the community. Uh, that are doing amazing things in business. And um, this guest that we have with us here is a legend. Um, he's done so many things in marketing, promotions. He's worked with Bad Boy, um, the Global Spin Awards, uh, the Voter Die campaign. It's so many things that I can name. His, his, his resume is crazy. He's a living legend. So without further ado, I want to introduce Sean Press to our audience. How are you, sir? Jimmy, Corey, what up? Thanks for having me. Man, listen, uh, we appreciate you giving us your time because um, your resume is absolutely insane. But before we get into that, um, we like to highlight our guests and talk about their story. So I know that you're a native of the South Bronx. Um, but the question I have for you getting into this business, right? Someone coming from the South Bronx that was like marketing something that was like, you know, taught to you or was it just like what we consider hustling or how did you get like, where did you go to school? How did you get into the business? I know you started as an intern, but how? You know, that's a long story, so I'm gonna try to make it as short as possible. Um, marketing was not something taught to me. It's something that I came to realize I, I had a natural innate ability and I had an eye for it and a talent for coming up with really creative strategies and brands, but it wasn't initially taught. Like in the South Bronx, I came up in the crack era. Um, I'm an 80s baby, it was nothing but, you know, crack, crime in hip hop when I was coming up, just truth be told. Mm -hmm. um, made it out the Bronx, went to school upstate New York, SUNY Binghamton. And somewhere, I'd say around my junior year, you know, it just wasn't for me. I was depressed. It wasn't, you know, and here I am, I'm very popular on campus, school life, going away to, for anybody who's ever been away to school. It's, it's, it's like living in a whole other world. Like, yeah. you know, girls, you have your friends, you get to do whatever you want to do. But inside of me, it just, I, I knew whatever my life was going to become, it wasn't there on that campus. So I dropped out. And when I came home, I reconnected with a great friend of mine. And, and he changed my life, just to be honest. Like, through one sentence, he was like, yo, Sean, you know, you're popular and I'm a DJ. Let's just do parties. And I had nothing else to do. I just dropped out of school. Um, you know, I was like, why not? And through doing the parties, what I thought would become my life's work, I thought I wanted to be the biggest promoter 
in New York City. But I was actually introduced to becoming an entrepreneur. And what I mean by that is, I thought I was just doing parties. But when you do parties, you got to negotiate with club owners. You got to go out there and find the right clubs. You got to hire promotion and marketing staff. You got to hire an entire staff that works for you from the door girl to security to this, that, and the third. So I thought I was falling in love with being a promoter, but in actuality, I was falling in love with the fact that I, I own my first business. Like yeah. I was making my own income. And in doing that, I started to learn how to really market and promote. I started to understand like, what should we put on a flyer to really get people to come to our parties as opposed to the hundred other parties that's happening on a Friday and Saturday night in New York City. So that was kind of my first real exposure to marketing. And when I started to notice, I had a skill for it. Yeah, that's, that's interesting, right? So like one of our friends, Malik, um, who we had on here before, uh, he's a real estate investor. And it's interesting like to hear your story because he was a promoter uh, in school in Carolina. And he talked about having to put all those pieces together as a party promoter and how when he got in the real estate business, it was kind of easy because he's like, you know, managing a contractor, you know, dealing with a tent, like putting, putting people in play. Like you're, you're kind of a coach in essence when you're doing that. So that's interesting. Tom, Tom said the same thing. Yeah, yeah, Tom. It's all right. But another guy who was on, Tom, who was a real estate investor, it's the same thing. He was a party promoter. So that's interesting how, and I wonder how many party promoters even recognize what it is they're doing, like the skill set, you know. Yeah, you develop a real skill set from throwing parties and, um, you know, when I left school, I didn't leave school because, and I want to put this out there to people. I didn't leave school because I wasn't intelligent. I didn't leave school because I was failing my classes. I left school because I'm a person who always follows what's in here. I've always listened to God. I've always listened to, you know, when my spirit is not right, I, 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 I really try to put the pieces together and figure out what is God talking, like, what is he saying to me? And at that time, even though I didn't understand it, I had to leave school. And like I said, getting into this business, I didn't realize I was going to be developing a skill set of a marketer. I didn't realize I was going to get my first introduction to be a boss and what it what what entrepreneurship really looks like. The the, the inner work that was the the one hundred and one of being an entrepreneur. But if you want to make money week over week, when you're having these consistent parties, you are managing an entire staff. So you had to go from one hundred and one to one hundred and two to now graduate courses. So if you was going to be successful at what you're doing. So I, I think for, for people who are party promoters and they, you know, they're the ones who are hiring the staff, you don't realize the skill set you're getting in real time, but you are definitely acquiring a, 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 a life's skill set that you can apply anyway. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a gem. That's an absolute gem. So how did you go from at that point on um, promoting parties and getting good at that to, you know, getting into the industry? Um. You know, when I came home from school upstate, I started doing my parties and I re-enrolled in, in school, um, Lehman College in the South Bronx. Um, for no other reason than, I'm the kind of person, if I start something, I'm committed to it and I want to finish it, right? So I never thought, and I, I, never, I never planned to use my degree. I never, I, I just was like, you know what? I got like a year and a half left. Let me just go finish it. And while I was in school, this girl told me, she was like, you know, I'm doing an internship. And at the time, it was this, this gentleman who used to work for Uptown Records. And he came and spoke at our school, um, Jimmy Love. And he was talking about, you know, the best way to get into the music industry is through interning. 
Now, when you're a party promoter, that runs parallel to the music industry because you're hiring, you know, acts to come and perform at your party. So I was peeking into the music industry. And when, 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 when Jimmy Love and the girl was telling me about going to the, you know, taking these internships, I was like, you know, I, I think I might like it. I'm peeking in and it looks, but here's something that, that I really want to put out there to your audience. And it's, it's a lesson that I learned early. We, and I'm going to say as, as black and brown people, we, we are beating our heads from, from, from the moment of birth to conform. You know, go out there and get these traditional jobs. You're not successful or it's not socially acceptable if you do not go, you know, to school, get your degree, put your resume out there, then somebody's going to hire you. So I had a hard time reconciling with the fact that I can go this non-traditional route. Like there, there's this thing called the music industry. You might not need a degree for it, but you can actually become successful and you can become somebody who is looked up to and, and really be a, a power move maker and just be just as respected as a doctor, lawyer, anything else. So for me, I had to, to unlearn so much of what I have been taught since birth with this conformity crap. And finally, you know, I started to take the internship and, and I was still doing my parties at the same time. And it just being 100% truthful with y'all, I was, it felt like I was unhirable because I literally <laughs> took four <laughs> internships unpaid. And when I say four internships, I'm working for eight months at a time, a year at a time, sometimes um, a year and a half at a time, four internships. And then I took my fifth one when I was ready to throw in the towel and finally I got a paying job in the industry. Man, that's amazing. You, you gave so much, so many, so many gems right there. And I'm gonna tell you why. Um, I had a conversation today um, with a younger person that reached out uh, to our page and they were talking about college and how they wanted to switch their major um, because they just, they found their love, but they were also afraid of not finishing in four years. And it was that conformity piece. I said, so you know what you want to do, but you're going to, you know, still stay with a major because what? because I'm supposed to finish in four years. I said, why? I mean, you know, you're conforming again. You know, that, it's that conformity piece because we're taught all of these things. You have to do this, you have to do that, but everybody has their own journey. So uh, I think that's an amazing story that you just told about that. Um, and all right, so uh, just being transparent, I know a lot about like your, your, your history because um, as someone of color, when you see people in the music industry, what always intrigued me is the people in the business side. Not necessarily acts because I'm not a rapper singer or anything like that, but I love business. So when you see people of color, so I know that you worked your way up through the ranks uh, when you through Bad Boy. Um, what are some of the things you did to actually work your way up? Because you you've worked you worked with Diddy for years, like you you've been very loyal to each other. But what was it that you did as an intern? What made you stand out to help you rise to those ranks and and you know stay there for as long as you did? Okay, again, and and for your audience, I need y'all to really listen up. Um, I'm going to start with this. You got to trust the process. In, in, in real time, I don't care what adversity, adversity you're going through. I don't care what the obstacles you're going through. This thing, me looking back now that I'm older and I get to look back over my own life, I see it was divine. Like this thing, God had this thing planned out for me. Um, I didn't understand it, but he did. And what I mean by that is I took internship after internship after internship after internship. It wasn't until my fifth 
internship. My fifth one, I landed at Bad Boy. You asked me what made me stand out because I came in with so much freaking experience. Everybody else was coming in. This was their first internship. When I came in, I had a different kind of hunger and a different kind of appreciation. And I understood it is a privilege. This position that I'm in, I'm at Bad Boy. Like, like Bad Boy was an upstart label. We, we were in an office that was maybe 2,000, 3,000 square feet, a very small office. It, 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 Puff was a hot shot in the music industry, but he was an upstart. We didn't have no hit records at that time. Mm-hmm. But I felt privileged when I got in there and I understood that this is a place I can really make my mark. Number one, because I was taking all these internships at these quote-unquote corporate record labels. And, you know, even if I had gotten a job in those places, I'm a person who likes to go. I'm a person who likes to, to, to I don't want to come in at nine and leave at five. I, I work. They wouldn't have been good fits for me. But I was able to learn things at each of these places. And I was also able to learn that it is a privilege if you ever get hired. So when I got to Bad Boy, I should, like when they gave me a check, number one, I, was, I would be sitting at my desk, I promise you to God, and I would be looking up like, Lord Jesus, I thank you. I can't even believe that they would pay me for something <laughs> that I would do for free. Like, I couldn't believe it. So I was the kind of person, I was the first one in, and I was the last one that, um, the last one to leave. I was not comparing myself against the other interns, the other assistants, coordinators, directors. To me, it was like, y'all ain't even competition. I'm looking at that man. Like, Puff, I'm looking at him. He's my competition. So if he is up at 6 in the morning, I'm up at 5. If he's going to sleep at 4 a.m., I'm going to sleep at 5 a.m. He's the person I am modeling my work. Like, like, the, like the, my work ethic, it has to be modeled against him. So when you are shooting for the stars, when you're shooting, like, like I, was, I was passing everybody because they wasn't on it like me. I was looking at him. They was looking at each other. So I, I felt like it was a privilege for me to even be in that building. I did not take it for granted. And I came in with a work ethic like nothing that, that they had seen because I knew how hard I worked to even get to that point. Yeah, and you know, like you mentioned, you you were there from the very beginning, and uh, so how does it feel for you now, looking back and see the history that you guys made? Because I know that when you're in it, you don't like necessarily recognize what you're doing, or did you? Um, but looking back now, I'm pretty sure that you know those memories are, are you know um, just un- invaluable. Yeah, you don't know it in real time. You don't know it. Um, you don't know that. You know, when I was a little boy. You could listen to a Motown record and it had a sound. Like it just was a Motown sound. You know if you hear the temps or you hear, you know, Stevie, or you hear certain like like that like Marvin, like it was a Motown sound. For anybody who's old enough to remember that bad boy era, yeah. bad boy had a sound. Yeah, absolutely. And not only did bad boy had a sound, but Puff was such a visionary, he was changing culture, meaning. The hip hop culture in the 90s, for anybody who's old enough to remember, it was dirty, it was grimy, it was all about wearing your pants down to your knees, you know, gold fronts in your mouth and drinking 40s. Puff came in and changed all that. 
now we popping bottles. He had Biggie, black and ugly as ever. However, stay <laughs> down to the socks. All of that, he shifted culture. So, no, we didn't understand the 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 long term cultural change and cultural effect that we were gonna have for us it was just young hungry black and brown brothers and sisters who were on a mission to be the best record label in the game and somehow we just had this worldwide effect on culture yeah so as you move through the ranks um and you know uh what, and I'm pretty sure you did a lot of things outside of marketing, right? So you, you did pretty much did everything. But what was it about marketing that made you stick to that and, and, you know, become so focused on that and also realize that that is where your talent is? Um, well, that's kind of it. I realized that's where my talent lived. Like, you know, you, you people, people have to understand. I hear people speak about, you know, I want to I wanna do something that I'm passionate about. Um, you know, people chase opportunity, people chase money, but I've found that you're only successful when you're living your life's purpose, right? You're doing, but you have to be properly positioned for that life's purpose. For me, when I came into Bad Boy, I started on a street team. I started handing out flyers. I started putting poster boards up around um, poles. I was the guy who was running out with these bad boy flags and bad boy banners talking about bad boy, all of that kind of stuff. And then my first job was national street team coordinator. So now I had to go on the road, market to market, state to state, and create and duplicate what we were doing in New York, create these street teams. So by the time that I started to rise through the ranks and, and I started to take on more responsibility, I had this, this vernacular um, and, and this training and marketing and this, and this eye for it. So I was, based on my history of throwing parties, um, even when I was in school, I was part of a frat and, and, and we were doing parties up there. I, I was positioned, like I was properly positioned to take advantage of urban grassroots and alternative marketing. And I knew I was, I knew I was great at it. I knew I saw the world through different eyes. And then corporate America started to knock on the door um, while I'm working at Bad Boy. And they're and they saying, who is running these really out-of-the-box campaigns? Who's the person who has these streets on fire? Everywhere we go, we're seeing, you know, Black Rob album stuff, or we're seeing new Faith Evans. They wanted to know who was behind that. They knew it wasn't Puff. And my name started to really you know, move up. And I started, even while I was at Bad Boy, starting to get all of these outside accounts. But it started with, I was great at what I did. I worked extremely, extremely hard. And I was really positioned to be the best person in marketing due to my life experience. And I just embraced it. And it's interesting when you talked about like the non-traditional uh, route of getting to where you were, but also when it comes to marketing, you like, you know, did things that were non-traditional that kind of made you stand out. It's like never like just follow, you, you follow, you know, um, a whole different path. And for those watching, um, and I wasn't like joking when I said legend, you've worked with some big brands like HBO, McDonald's, 
um, Estee Lauder, Viacom. So yeah. you've worked with some big brands. But one of the things that you've uh, worked on that actually stood out to me is the whole Vote or Die campaign, right? Yeah. Because that was like the first time I saw that like guerrilla marketing type techniques use um, with voting. Now, I know that, you know, you have people on the street all the time when it comes to that, but nothing like that. It was almost marketed like a, a, an album or a mixtape, which was like a, amazing for me to see because I'm old enough to remember that. Um, how did that come about, um, go, getting into the political space, but using some of those same tactics that you do in music? Well, you know, number one, I, I, again, I give credit to, to Sean Diddy Combs. I give credit to a woman um, named Mignon Moore, um, Alexis McGill, uh, Andre Harrell. You know, Puff had this vision. He had this vision that he wanted to impact the youth. He wanted to really show that that he had the ability to bring youth culture to the voting block. Something that, you know, this is always that elusive group that never wants to vote, doesn't see the need to vote because they're still young. They are, oh, you know, my vote doesn't matter. You know, all politicians is, are the same. So he really took it upon himself to say, you know, I'm going to galvanize this, this, this constituency and I'm going to give it, I'm going to, to fire him up and I'm going to get him to the polls. And he just turned to, you know, somebody he had been working with for years and myself. And, and he knew I was, number one, battle tested. I had done countless campaigns with him in the past. And we also knew, and this is what people have to understand, like, you know, and I can go so many different directions in this interview, but I'll try to just keep it focused. But you talked about, we marketed this like an album. We knew what worked for our people. Like, like, like at the end of the day, uh, in, in the world of politics, they did things a certain way. We came in with different eyes. We came in, look, we're selling gold records, platinum records, diamond records. Obviously, we know how to move the needle with our people. So forget the way y'all always did stuff. When he came to me, he said, yo, Sean, come up with a crazy campaign, and I want to take these streets over. And that's what me and my team did. We sit down, we thought, and we were like, these are the tactics we want to do. But we modeled it against stuff that we already had known was successful. And even though we got pushback from a lot of people in the world of politics, when we finally rolled this campaign out and they saw something that they had never saw before, that's when my phone started ringing by other politicians talking about, look, I got an election coming up. <laughs> give me I one of them, give me one of them dies. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing, man. And, and so I know that you, you also pivoted again, right? So, and, and this is what makes your career such a unique case study and amazing, right? Because you're able to pivot um, and you have your own thing with Power Moves Inc., but you're responsible for the Global DJ Awards, right? The, the, um, and oh, I, I've... I've oh, watched them on a revolt. Yeah. All right, you're responsible for that. And yeah. it's interesting hearing your story. You talked about how a DJ friend came to you. So it kind of went like full circle. But um, so what made you come up with that idea or, or, or want to roll that out? Okay, again, these are great questions. And I think your audience can learn from it. Because I go back to what I said earlier. Trust the process. Trust God. Even when you don't understand them, just trust it. If, if, if things come in your life and you're like, Lord, why is this happening? Change that around and think them in real time. And what I mean by that is I told you, I started out running the national street team. 
and I was a beast. And my name was going up in the industry. And it was really going up. And back in those days, nobody, you know, being on a street team, that was like the low level job. That wasn't fly, it wasn't glamorous. But when you're really good at something, people take notice. And I'll never forget, there was a guy who was my partner in crime, Malcolm Miles, and he was running the Mix Show Radio um, department. And me and him, we, we, he had radio, I had the streets. And we were killing it at Bad Boy. He got a bigger check um, at another record label and he took it, which left that spot open. I didn't want it. I didn't feel like calling DJs. I didn't feel like calling radio programmers to get our records played because I'm a boss. I'm hiring street teams all around the country and I'm killing it. When, when, when you're trying to get your record played and you're trying to get it on air, you got to call the same damn DJ 50 million times, this, that, and the third. So I'll never forget, Hard Pierre came to me and, and, and my man Mel Smith came and was like, Sean, we want you to take over that position. I'm good, I already got a position. No, we, you the one. No, go hire somebody else. They refused to hire anybody else. Had nothing to do with money. They wasn't trying to save on budget. They saw something in me. I didn't see it in myself. I didn't want that position. But then finally, when I took the damn position, now I'm running a department, right? I have access to every DJ in the world, every programmer in the world and I'm running the streets. So my name started to go like this. If you wanted to get Puff on the phone to, to be on your morning show, call Sean Prez. If you need to call Thomas to do a show for you in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, call Sean Prez. If you needed Sean, Faith Evans, and every, Mace, anybody else to do whatever, call Sean Prez. So my name went from I guess I was here and I was doing my thing to really went from here because I was at a hot label with the hottest artists in the market and I was the conduit between you and them. Mm -hmm. And then I'm standing right next to Diddy. So what happened in terms of Global Spin Awards, you know, I'm a person, I'm always evolving and, and I get bored easy and, and, and I don't like doing what I did yesterday. And I was looking at this space and, and uh, you know, as you get older, and I'm sure you guys can attest, you come to a point where you just want to give back. Yeah. And I'll never forget, this is like 08, 09. You know, I really wanted to give back to that DJ community because they were the ones that helped my career so much. And I was looking, I'm like, yo, damn, there's this white space in the market. Like, you know, the Grammys recognize the artists, the, 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 the with Academy Awards, they recognize all of the actors, you know, with the Oscars and all of that stuff. You got every award ceremony recognizing people in their particular disciplines, but nobody recognized the DJs. And because my life was kind of changing and I hit a certain level of success and I really wanted to get back and I saw this white space and it was a new challenge, I said, you know what? Let it be me. Let me, let me be the one that creates something that long after I'm gone, this thing will be what the Oscars are, or this thing will be what the Golden Globes are, or this thing will be what the Grammys are, and the DJs will have their place where they can shine and be recognized for their contribution to breaking music and really influencing culture. 
Yeah, that's 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 dope. That's dope. That's a way to give back because um, you know, uh, I've I've watched your award show and it's 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 amazing to see because I mean they're 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 the ones that make hip hop, right? And for them never to be recognized like that, it's kind of crazy that that space was existed. Yeah, yeah. So um, salute to you for that. Salute to you for that, Core. I know you had a question, Core. What you about yeah. to say? So uh, when you was in that in-between space, when you was, you know, running the street team and then you had to go to the place where you were doing the, um, you know, getting with the DJs, what what was the impetus to say, all right, I'm going to take the job? Because you, you kept refusing it, you kept refusing it, you kept refusing it. And now it's like, all right, I'm going to take it. So what was the thing that pushed you to take it? It's a great question. Looking back... I, and again, I always bring God in, into my conversations because for me, it's necessary. And I don't want anybody ever to see my story and think I am any, I'm, 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 I'm just a, let me, let me, I'm just a dude from the South Bronx, period. And my life, I've always been tapped into, to my God. And when they kept coming back to me, I thought it had to be for, like, God, I'm telling them, go get the check to somebody else. I don't even want it. So I found myself praying and, 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 and sitting in deep thought. And it just, I felt that, and for me, whenever I'm confused about something, I really just try to zone out and get quiet. And when I come to a peace, then I know it's right. And I know it's the right way to go. And when I came to a peace, it just felt like God laid on my heart, like this is the next step for you. This is the evolution. Because just to be honest, like I told y'all, when I was doing uh, uh, the street team stuff, I wasn't just doing it for Bad Boy. I was making a ton of money outside of Bad Boy. It was no reason for me to do this. It really wasn't. I couldn't see how these DJs would impact my life for years to come. But God saw it. And, you know, really, if, just to answer your question in short, I, I, I really, after turning it down so many times and seeing how persistent they were that it had to be me, I started to ask God, this can't be for no reason. You know, like, like let me know, is this the space I'm supposed to be or this is the direction I'm supposed to be going? And, and when I felt the peace that it was, I said yes. Yeah, so... I know that um now you 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 know you you have your own uh shop Power Moves Inc right and um you're still in the 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 branding marketing space uh so you know I know this is like a dumb question but it's kind of like a commercial what what separates Power Moves Inc from any other marketing agency so you know I'll tell you what was my first sales pitch and it remains the same to 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 today. We are experts in reaching black and brown people in the areas that they live, work, and play. Why? Because we are the consumer. I know how I think. I know how the people around me think. I was born black. I <laughs> hang out with black people. I understand the culture from the inside. And my team understands the culture from the inside. We don't talk about this from a perspective of somebody who learned marketing in a classroom. And now we're in a boardroom and we're thinking about campaigns and strategies that might connect 
with a consumer that we don't intrinsically understand. So for us, it's innate. It's yeah. natural. We're very good at what we do, but we are the consumer. That's what makes us stand out, to be honest. Yeah. It's interesting to hear your story about how you got into marketing, right? So um, we've talked to marketing people in the past. And, and the funniest story is I've, I've heard multiple people say this is um, they got into marketing after watching um, Boomerang, right? So <laughs> they didn't know what they wanted to do, but they saw Marcus Graham and they got into marketing. But anyway, your story is completely different. Um, and, and, and I mean, you're just the overall hustler. You, you figured out a, a space within the culture and, and it works for you. So let me ask you this question. Along your journey, um, what, is like, um, what do you say has been the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome to get to where you are today? There's been so many. There's been so many. I can go back. I told you I took five internships, you know, people give up on themselves too early. There's so many people out there who say, I want it. I want it. I want it. Okay. Well, how bad do you want it? Do you want it bad enough to take internship after internship unpaid? You're figuring out how to pay to get there. You can't afford lunch five days a week. You like, like you have to be the one to show up because you're, they don't care whether you come in or not. How bad do you want it? So for me, that was a major hurdle. I could go on for days and days, <laughs> you know, starting, um, starting my, my um, power moves, marketing and promotion. I'll never forget walking into some of, and I won't name these companies. You named a lot of our clients, HBO, um, uh, McDonald's, ESPN, you know, we, we have a ton of clients, but we had to earn our way there. I remember walking into so many of these meetings. I'm six foot four, 227 pounds today. I was about 250 back then. And I'm talking to a bunch of people who didn't look like me who were running the urban department. And wow. just by virtue of my stature, it was like, hell no. I didn't, they didn't care that I was behind some of these successful campaigns. It was like, I don't want to meet this guy in the elevator and be on his bad side. So to the point where I had to actually, and this is true story, I literally hired a white salesperson and made him the face of our company. And then we would take meetings to try to get urban business. And I would sit in those meetings quiet pretending to be a worker and have this guy as the CEO. And that's when we started to get business. So there are so many hurdles that I could talk about. I could talk about starting the Global Spin Awards. We did it in a theater that held about 350 people. The first one, at best, 120 people showed up. I had DJs pissed with me. Everything that could go wrong. I'd never done a live event in my life. Um, in, in, in terms of a live full, a full out production event. And, you know, we would be naming nominees and the wrong person to come up on the screen. It just was a disaster. You know, DJs was pissed because they was like, is this rigged? Sure, we trust you, but who the hell is voting? Why should we put our faith in you? I don't want to show up. I'm begging DJs to show up to the first one. But... These are all hurdles that you have to overcome. And going back to the way I started it, you can't, you can't tap out too early. 
Everybody say they want it, but how bad do you want it? Are you do you want it bad enough to like for me? I can tell you, Global Spin Awards now everybody loves it, but year after year, anybody who has been to the early ones will tell you they were disasters. We had to learn as we went. It, 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 you know, people would come out and they'd be like, "Where's my script? What am I reading?" It just was all kind of stuff going wrong that we just didn't know. We were learning. And I, and I would have pie on my face and, and, and I would be ashamed and embarrassed because in one area of my life, I'm, I'm, I'm this superstar marketer in another area of my life. People are coming out and they're like, Sean, we love what you're doing, but you just got to get your stuff together. But we didn't have the budgets. We, we were learning. How bad do you want it? Are you willing to stick with it when nobody believes? Are you willing when you fall down eight times, get up nine times? That, that's, that's really what it comes down to. So I've, I've encountered so many obstacles. Uh, you, yeah. I just named a few. Yeah, those those are all good, and and we can learn from those, right? So that stick to itiveness, like you you just have this belief and faith in yourself, right? I think that's what it comes down to is the belief in yourself that even if you stumble, you're going to you know figure it out. Um, man, that that's an amazing story, man. Because I know a lot of people when they got to that third or fourth internship would have been like, let me go figure out something else to do. But you just kept plugging away, right? So to the point where when you get to internship, you're already like. Some people will look down on that like, oh, man, this is my fifth one and all these newbies in here. But you use that to your advantage. So that, that's, that's an amazing story. But let me ask you this question. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. And I'm uh -huh. sorry to cut you off. When I Good. got to Bad Boy, Bad Boy was technically my first internship that was paid. We made $5 a day, which is $25 a week. At that time, you still put tokens in the train in New York City. So it was... Um, like $15 for tokens and, and, and another, matter of fact, I'm lying. It was $5, a, yeah, it was $25 a week. And you had $10 for lunch. But, and I'm not gonna name no names, again, it was young people running the company. And, and the girl who was responsible for giving the interns their money week over week had a bad weed habit. So every Friday, <laughs> we were supposed to get paid. <laughs> No, this is true story. Everybody, when we were supposed to get paid, dread would come to the office. And we would see dude come with the knapsack and go in her office. And at the end of the day, she'd be like, oh, there's no intern money this week. We'd be like, yeah, this is six week in a row. We talking about there's no intern money. But she was getting high on the intern. <laughs> but even that, you still stuck with it. You still you stuck had with to. It. I wasn't yeah. giving up. That's I was right. not giving up. That's right. Oh man, that's right. It's that that's the lesson there, man. Never give up, man. <laughs> Never give up. Let me ask you a question. Um, could you give our audience maybe a book that has inspired you or something that you look to to um help you along this journey? Yeah, I can give the audience a few books. Um, you know one of which is called A New Earth um, by Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart Tolle, yep. There you go. Uh, that book, I literally read it, I, I'd say about four times. Um, because the first, it's so deep. And the concepts are just so freaking, they're just deep. I, my mind couldn't grasp it. And I love the way he really laid out, you know, how he sees humanity and society going and, and embracing this new way of life. 
Um, so that's a book for anybody who's really ready for a life change, a mindset, a change in the way you see everyday life. Pick that book up for sure. And, you know, I, and, I, and I try, I kind of live by um, mind, body, spirit. And what I mean by that is mind, at any given point in my life, I'm always in the middle of, of a book or I'm always feeding my brain with something extremely positive or educational. Body, I make sure that I work out daily, that, that I do something that, that is helping to cleanse my body and keep me physically up to par. And then spirit, you know, obviously I've, I've spoke about God a million times in this interview because I want to stay connected to the creator. Um, and a second book that, that really, um, you know, you find books here and there that, that mm -hmm. have you going. Um, this one was pretty straightforward, but it was powerful. It's about David Goggins. It's called um, You Can't Hurt Me. And I recommend that book to anybody who ever wants to quit. Anybody who has, is, is in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a struggle. Um, if you think that, that that mountain that you're climbing is too high, go pick up David Goggins. You can't, can't hurt me. It ain't you can't hurt me. It's can't hurt me. And that will give you a different kind of battery in your back to make you get up and be like, oh, hell no. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to fight another day. Yeah, those are some good choices. Um, to our audience, make sure you check the recommended uh, book section um, in our show notes because we always we have a whole list and we're going to add those two books there as well. Um, man, listen, so what is the future for uh, Power Moves Inc.? What does the future look like? Future for Power Moves Inc. is this. Power Move Maker. Um, you know, when, when I was coming up, obviously power moves has always been my thing. Um, you know, I'm making power moves. I named my company power moves, Inc. marketing and promotion and something strange happened a few years ago to me. Right. And I, and I told y'all like, like, as you get older, God helps you to see life through different eyes. And for me, yeah, I, I, I walk with celebrities and, and, and I made some, some halfway decent money in my life. But what is this life really about? It's about giving back. It's about educating. It's, it's, it's about inspiring. It's about teaching. And I remember sitting at my desk. This is back before COVID, obviously. And sitting at my desk in the office and I just felt incomplete. I felt like, like you know, I, I wasn't living my life purpose again. And I really started to, to, to just try to tap into what does that mean? Like, I, I felt unhappy. And just to be honest, I felt unhappy. I felt damn near depressed. Um, you know, I come into the office and it just didn't feel like I was connecting with, with, with my life's purpose anymore. And I remember looking at motivational speakers and trying to give... Now, here, I own the company. And I'm looking at motivational speakers trying to... To, to, to motivate myself to do one more day at the office. And it all started to, to make sense to me. You know, people had always told me, Sean, you love to talk. That's all you do. You love to talk. You love to give advice. You love to teach. And I started to, to think to myself, you know what? When I was coming up, what was the one thing? I mean, obviously, I'm from the South Bronx, so I lacked a lot of things. But you know, the main thing that I lacked was seeing somebody who looked like me, talked like me, was from the same circumstances as me, who didn't make it out the hood by 
being a rapper, uh, uh, a sports figure, or a drug dealer. I wanted to be an entrepreneur, and there just wasn't any successful ones who did it the right way that I could look at in my immediate vicinity and say, let me talk to this person. How did they get from these circumstances to building a business from the ground up? And for me, that had become my life's mission. So to answer your question, I now I public speak. Um, I use my platform to really bring other brothers on who are from the same environment and have done incredible things with their life. And I sit there and I talk and I try to extract so many gems to give back to somebody who is in the South Bronx, because this South Bronx is all over the world. Y'all got them in Philly. There's yep. somebody all over the world who is in their version of an impoverished neighborhood. And I need them to see people who didn't make it by being in front of the camera, didn't make it by bouncing a basketball or throwing a football, didn't make it by slinging drugs. And they use this. They use their wisdom. They use their smarts. And they, they pull themselves up and they made something out of themselves. So that's what my life mission is right now. Um, for anybody, please check out my, my YouTube channel, which is um, Power Move Prez, or just punch in Power Move Makers, and you can find me here. Yeah, and I've seen some of them. Um, like, like, I know you had Rodney Jerkins and Dame. I've seen, uh, seen on your Instagram page as well. So, um, and that is important. It's, it's important for a lot of platforms to, to, to highlight that because one of the reasons we do what we do, and I'm always surprised, like, to this day, when people say, man, I didn't know that, you know, uh, black people did this or did that. Like, we're, there's a lot of us out here doing amazing things in, a, in different spaces. Like, yep. you definitely fill those inboxes where people be like, you know, I didn't know black people did that. And I'm like, yo, it's 2020. Black people do everything, man. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what, what are you, you know, I want to say, what are you talking about? But then I remember everybody ain't raised in the same environment. Correct. Yeah. So, you know, you know, there's a lot of black people raised around non-black people. And so, representation you know, matters. Like it's like the that, story I told earlier, with people telling us that you know Marcus Graham. Marcus Graham is a, a a character that Eddie Murphy played. But the fact of the matter is, because you know that's where they saw marketing for the first time. They saw that hey, that's a career in that. You know, um, so it's important for for your platform. So we'll definitely put the link to that um in the description as well. Um, listen, I can't thank you enough for sharing your time with us. Um, we definitely appreciate it. Like I said, uh. You know, we know your history because you were that for us, like someone yeah, who didn't, sure. didn't, you know, didn't hold the microphone or didn't shoot basketball, but made it a different way. So I just want to say thank you and uh, continue success with everything you're doing. Can I bring up um, one more point before a we anything, anytime, anything, anything you want? You know, I, I love that you said this and we spoke offline and you said the same thing to me. And I would implore anybody who is out there. My grandfather told me when we were young, you know, he always iterated, work hard, even when you think nobody's looking because you never know whose eyes are on you. I could have never known that. Yeah. Who, who a Sean Prez was. I could have never known that from afar, I would in some way be an inspiration to you guys. I, I Who could know that? So for anybody out there, give it your all. I don't care if you're sweeping floors. I don't care if you're dumping trash. I don't care what it is. You treat it 
like you are, when, when, when I was an intern making that $5 a day and even when I was making no money, I treated it as though I was making a million dollars a year. And because of that is what made people notice me. And now that I'm older, it's so crazy to me to hear people like yourself talk and say, you know what, we know your history. You, and call me a legend. It's like, yo, when did I get, when did I get <laughs> that <laughs> You know, yeah, like, I, it's, it's crazy to me. Yeah, because we, we came up in the same era, but we we saw your work. You know what I mean? Like we we we've actually seen your work in real time. And that's so, the thing, right? So I was, you know, one of those kids who read Black Enterprise because I'm like, I like business, but I want to see people that look like me. So then when back in the day when it was CDs, you would get the album and you would like go through and see who the street team was, no. who the producers were, all the people yeah. who weren't necessarily the talent, but you know, and and you start to look up and follow those people because again. Um, in that space, you see a lot of people that look like us, and I, I want to know who are the guys that make things behind the scenes. So anytime you see a big act, mm -hmm. everybody has a team. You know, you could be the biggest entertainer in the world. There's a whole team behind them. So I was always interested in who's making, who's making it happen. You know what I mean? Um, you know, so there's a lot of unsung heroes, and I'm pretty sure you have names upon names of unsung heroes in the business. So um, I just think that you guys are just as important as the people whose face are uh, on the screen every day. You make it so you guys, what you guys are doing, I applaud you, and I told you offline, and, I, and I'll say it publicly, and, and, and I'm a man who's very, very true to my word. Consider me an ally. Consider me a brother. I love what y'all are doing. We, we are like minds, and if y'all ever need me, ever need me, like, I'll give you my number offline. We ain't gonna do <laughs> I got number. you. I got you. No doubt. All it is is a phone call, and if I got the time and I could do it, I promise you, I'm there because I think your mission and what y'all are trying to do for our people, I, I, I love it, and, and, and you need to be applauded and saluted. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you. you. Yeah, and listen, we're going to share this everywhere. Um, all of our audience, make sure you share this. Make sure you check out what Sean Prez has got, got going on. Also, check out his history because, you know, uh, he just kind of, like I said, he is a legend, So, and you'll see that when you go to look. You can just look him up. You know what I mean? Like, look him up do and see Googles. what he's done. Yeah, do, yeah, do, say, do, yeah, do your Googles. But again, I just want to thank you for your time. Um, and, you know, like I said, you can look forward to us supporting every and anything you do as well because we love your mission as well. Um, and to our audience, uh, we, we want to say thank you again. Make sure you share, like this. Uh, if you listen on Apple Podcasts, give us a rating. But we appreciate all the support. Um, and as we always say, it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much you keep. Game elevates, and we'll check you on the next episode. Peace.